if they're doing their job properly, then they have nothing nothing to worry about. Tonight, the petition to make body cameras mandatory for all police officers in Canada. Plus... I'm From B.C. to D.C. The latest from the movement that shows no sign of slowing down. And cross-border wedding. How these newlyweds have overcome a few barriers to be together. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A major search is underway in the Fraser River for a plane that may have crashed into the water. First responders and search and rescue teams have been called out to the, from Maple Ridge to Langley looking for any sign of the plane or anyone on board. RCMP say crews are working off a single witness report and have not confirmed the crash. Police have contacted area airports, but so far there is no confirmation of a missing aircraft. An RCMP huh? helicopter and crews in several watercraft are looking for any wreckage or survivors. BC Emergency Health Services says it did receive a call this afternoon after following reports that a plane went down in the river at around 272nd Street and Lougheed Highway. We will keep you updated. As the protests over police brutality grow around the world, there is a concerted effort to find ways to hold both officers and civilians to account for their actions. And that includes on this side of the border. It has prompted a B.C. man to launch a petition to make body cameras mandatory for all police officers in Canada. Paul Johnson has more. A police shooting in Bellingham, Washington, three years ago. Don't any closer, I'll shoot you! A knife-wielding man charged officers and was fatally shot. As horrifying and tragic as these images are, the police body camera that provided them helped bring swift legal closure in this case. The video demonstrated that the use of deadly force was justified under state law. It offers an insight that we don't currently have. Vancouver's Ben Leach says police body cams have been in widespread use in his native UK for years. He says it's time now for the Vancouver Police Department to start using them. And he started an online petition that now has more than 3,000 signatures. If they're doing their job properly, then they have nothing, nothing to worry about in terms of wearing those. Every single police officer that's out there interacting with the community should have a body cam. That's Cash Heed, former BC Solicitor General and an ex-police chief. He's among a number of current and former leaders in law enforcement calling for the use of body cameras in Canada, where they have not been deployed in a systematic and widespread way. Guys. Here's Vancouver police using them in a one-off capacity a few years ago in Oppenheimer Park. The president of the Vancouver Police Union tells Global News they're open to the discussion about body cams, but believe the biggest obstacle is cost. While the cameras may be inexpensive, the legal and data management infrastructure to support them is expensive. The RCMP says it studied body cams in 2016 and found the technology didn't meet their needs. For me, you have to put the truth before the cost. Supporters of police body cams also say the cost can be offset by reduced legal costs and most important, public belief in police transparency. You are under arrest. 
Paul Johnson, Global News. Today may be the largest day of anti-racism protests yet. We want to show you a live shot of the protest in Washington, D.C. tonight. Tens of thousands of people are demonstrating in the city. This is expected to be one of the biggest crowds since demonstrations over George Floyd's in-custody death began. And as has been the case for the past couple of days in the U.S. Capitol, protests there have remained peaceful thus far. Well, from Prince George and Toronto to Washington, D.C., hundreds of thousands today showed their solidarity for an end to systemic racism. Kristen Robinson has that part of the story. No justice, no peace! In Prince George, B.C., hundreds joined Mr. P.G. on the side of the highway. First of all, we're all human. To get the message out. The chants for change repeated in Calgary, where a massive crowd gathered at Olympic Plaza in a vigil for George Floyd. No justice, no peace! In Toronto, anti-racism protesters pushed for equal rights. Black lives matter! When dealing with police. We, we need a change and I just think that the time is now. And honestly enough is enough and we want everything that's fair. Demonstrators knelt and had a moment of silent reflection before walking to the Ontario legislature. In the U.S., people filled the streets for the 12th straight day, standing up against racism and police violence from California to Washington, D.C., where tens of thousands marched and gathered in front of the White House in what was expected to be the capital's largest protest yet. Back in Canada's largest city, the crowd joined by police as they kneeled again outside the U.S. consulate. Pausing for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, the time a white officer spent kneeling on Floyd's neck before he died. And I support their cause and I support exactly what they're doing and I think that the fact that they're showing such a demonstration for change what we want. Kristen Robinson, Global News. An assistant men's basketball coach at UBC is no longer with the team after he was called out over his recent social media activity. Vern Knob had worked with head coach Kevin Hansen for years, but this week a Twitter account for the podcast Muted Madness pointed out that Knob had liked a video that claimed the Black Lives Matter movement is, quote, a leftist lie. Having this week and the George Floyd protest has kind of brought to the forefront that some of these coaches are not what you think they are, and trying to weed that out of the game is is a good thing, since there's no place for that in coaching, and especially for those that are trying to mentor players of different color and different races from all different backgrounds in, in the youth sports basketball community. Knopp did not respond to our request for comment, but a private post reads in part, my likes are those of mine and have nothing to do with UBC. I had told Coach Hansen months ago that I was not returning to UBC. UBC Athletics and Recreation Manager, Managing Director Cavi Tour tweeted, Vern Knopp's personal opinions, beliefs, and social media endorsements do not represent the ideals and values of the UBC Thunderbirds. Vern Knopp is no longer a member of the Thunderbirds men's basketball coaching staff. 
B.C.'s Royal Roads University says it is considering its next steps after a hateful tweet from a Calgary businessman and philanthropist who received an honorary degree there in 2010. Earlier this week, W. Brett Wilson suggested Mayor Nahid Nenshi played the race card to win the election for his third term as Calgary's mayor. Royal Road says it was deeply disturbed by Wilson's comments, which are inconsistent with its values and its president's statement on anti-racism. Wilson has since posted an apology for his, quote, thoughtless and inflammatory tweet. Global News has reached out to him for comment. After two massive peaceful rallies against racism in Vancouver, another major show of solidarity for racial justice is being planned planned for the downtown core later this month. Julia Foy has more on what the organizer is planning for next and what he thinks we need to do in order to bring about real change. It's the chant that echoed through Vancouver for two nights this week. Thousands of people gathered to share their grief over the death of George Floyd and the fight against racism. And no one was more moved than the 21-year-old man who started it all. This is powerful. I'm proud, amazed. I'm just so shocked that this movement created something way bigger than we ever thought this would become. Now organizers are planning something even bigger. Our next goal is on June 19th is to hold a march and another celebration and to address more of our history and introduce it into the school systems, introduce it into our workplaces. Calendar Prasad would like to see the rules about racism beefed up. I feel so tremendous if we saw workplaces actually put in penalties for people who are racist. If we had schools who just didn't do three-day suspensions. One SFU professor agrees the government needs to act. With uh, institutional uh, changes, have been sustaining systemic racism uh, against indigenous people, against people of color in Canada. Those kind of changes can assure people and have a better faith in the government. Organizers hope the June 19th march will attract politicians like Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart. But could a third protest also attract any unwelcome elements? There are many other um, external actors who will try to probably... Uh, distract the attention to different directions, uh, including white supremacist groups. Calendar Prasad remains optimistic that the positive vibe can be repeated. We do protests a lot and we rarely ever see people dance, we rarely ever see people dance together. Julia Foy, Global News. The Vancouver Police Board is rejecting a 1% budget cut approved by the Vancouver City Council last month. Vancouver's police chief, Adam Palmer, slammed the cut for being approved in an in-camera meeting, saying he was blindsided by council's decision. Well, now the Vancouver Police Board is weighing in and asking council to rescind the motion. The board argues a funding cut would impact public safety at a time when the force is dealing with both the pandemic and growing protests. Let's not forget, too, that this cut actually came out of a secret behind closed doors council meeting where they passed this motion with no public oversight, no public consultation, no nothing, right? These are all conversations that I'm sure Adam Palmer would be glad to have with the department and the city around funding structures and what we can do to better serve the community. 
Vancouver police have arrested two people charged in a violent sexual assault. It happened in Oppenheimer Park in April. Police say the victim was held against her will at gunpoint, beaten and sexually assaulted with a weapon for more than 15 hours. Police arrested and charged 30-year-old Jason Tapp and 33-year-old Nicole Edwards. They were both released with several court-imposed conditions but failed to return to their bail supervisors on Tuesday. After a public plea, police say the pair was taken into custody. BC's top doctor is noticeably absent from our newscast tonight. After Saturday's COVID-19, doing Saturday COVID-19 briefings since March, Dr. Bonnie Henry is taking the day off, or at least stepping away from the cameras. The provincial health officer logged her 156th straight day of work on Friday and is rumored to be having a well-deserved break today. On Thursday, Dr. Henry warned about a potential surge in cases this month if British Columbians were Turn to more than 70% of normal social interactions and ask protesters to stay two meters apart. The community is showing its support for, long, for care workers at Langley Lodge. Volunteers, friends and RCMP held a parade for staff and residents of the long-term care home, which was hit hard by COVID-19. Like other care homes, family members haven't been able to visit their loved ones there for three months. 24 elderly residents have died there, but as of Friday, no new cases and 26 residents have recovered. Langley Lodge says its infection control plan is working well and it's planning a phased approach to gradually allow residents more freedoms outside of their rooms. Those care workers are under a lot of stress. When somebody passes, it's like a family member because they become very, very close to those people. And so it's hard for them. Langley Lodge was hit pretty hard, but they're, uh, they're on their way back and they're on, a man, on the mend, and we just hope that, that uh, it'll be over soon. Many cross-border couples are meeting up at Peace Arch Park during the pandemic since it's still one of the only places in the province where they can see each other in person with the border effectively closed. But as Nadia Stewart reports, one bi-national couple decided the park was the perfect place to make a lifetime commitment. You have chosen this day to celebrate. This is the only place this cross-border couple could come to tie the knot. Leah and Nicholas, it is required of both of you in the presence Nick Smith, an American man, and Leah Bacello, a Canadian woman, say Peace Arch Park will forever be part of their love story. With the whole COVID situation, we've been apart now for three months. Yeah, yeah since March, so... This is kind of like the only place where we can meet. Meet, yeah. yeah. So we've been meeting here for the past couple of weeks since the uh, park's been open. The couple has been together for five years, but COVID nineteen was the push they needed to make it official. After being forced apart, sometimes these kinds of instances make you realize what's important. important. Their Saturday afternoon wedding, surrounded from a safe distance, of course, by family and friends, and they aren't the only ones who say this park is a godsend. It reopened to day use on May 14th, making it possible for couples living on either side of the U.S.-Canada border to meet up. I never dreamed we would see something like this in my lifetime. Rob Nickel and his American wife, Wendy, have been married for 33 years. They say this park is a much better meeting spot compared to the last time they were forced apart. Last time we were apart for a month, we, this park wasn't open, so we had to meet at the ditch in Linden, so we... 
brought lunch and he sat on the Canadian side, I sat on the American side and had lunch that way. For over a week, we've been hearing from couples separated by travel restrictions who've been reuniting here. It's been really hard. It's probably been the hardest thing that I've had to do, um, just being away from her. Even this couple says the marriage conversation has moved from the back to the front burner, so they don't have to spend this much time apart again. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Two Vancouver museums are reopening on Thursday. The Museum of Vancouver and the city's Maritime Museum will be open Thursday to Sunday at reduced hours and neither will accept cash. MOV tickets must be purchased in advance online. Encouraged to wear masks, keep their visit to two hours or less and maintain physical distancing. Maritime Museum visitors are encouraged to book online as well. Plexiglass barriers have been installed to limit contact and only 50 people, including staff, will be allowed in at once. Visitors to the St. Rock must use hand sanitizer before boarding and the ship's cabin will be closed. A small ceremony was broadcast online today to mark the 76th anniversary of the D-Day landing on Juneau Beach. Because of the pandemic, the families of the 14,000 Canadian troops who landed there were unable to attend. But a handful of Canadian and French officials paid tribute to those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Juneau was one of five beaches key to the Allied invasion of German-occupied France during the Second World War and one of the most important battles in Canadian military history. A second memorial service for George Floyd was held today in North Carolina. Long lines formed as mourners waited to pay their respects to Floyd and his family inside a small-town church in Rafer, where Floyd was born. Mourners were allowed in for a public viewing in groups of ten, and asked to wear a mask. Following the public viewing, a private family service was held. George Floyd, whose death in police custody has sparked global unrest, will be buried in Houston, Texas on Tuesday. And that global unrest appears to have become a movement in which the desire for justice outweighs concerns for personal safety. Around the world, the same slogan. With demonstrations today across continents, from Australia to South Korea to Germany and Mexico yesterday, people denouncing racism and police brutality in the U.S. and in their countries. Among the biggest demonstration in the United Kingdom, where the march was overwhelmingly peaceful. But there were tense moments near the Prime Minister's residence. Protesters threw bottles at mounted police. One of the officers has been knocked off his horse. What do we want? Justice! The protests in defiance of lockdown rules. Here in London, government officials repeatedly and emphatically urge people not to do this. Not to get together because of COVID-19 in crowds of more than six people. This was their response. Personal ties front and center on the minds of the demonstrators, according to sociology professor and fellow protester Adam Elliott Cooper. In countries like the United Kingdom, almost one person a week dies at the hands of the police or prison system. And black people are disproportionately affected in those kinds of figures. So we have very, very similar problems here in the United Kingdom and in France and Germany and other parts of the world as well um, that we're seeing in the United States. A movement seeded in the United States is finding fertile soil abroad. Just as Black Lives Matter was painted near the White House, British activists shined the words on their Houses of Parliament. Richard Engel, NBC News, London. 
Back in the U.S., demonstrators are back in force in Washington, D.C., as we showed you earlier with one of the largest crowds yet. Today's showing comes after protesters were forcibly cleared from a park in front of the White House earlier this week. And now U.S. Attorney General William Barr says he did not issue a tactical order contradicting Justice Department officials. Someone did issue the order just moments before Donald Trump's staged photo op at a nearby church. Two Buffalo police officers seen on video shoving a 75-year-old man have pleaded not guilty to second-degree assault. The video showing the elderly man walking towards police when he was pushed over and falls backwards. Dozens of fellow officers have since resigned from the city's tactical team in protest of the unpaid suspensions of the two police officers involved. Yet another incident has come to light, raising concerns about excessive force in police. The Alameda Police Department in Southern California has released this body cam viz of a controversial arrest on May 23rd. Four officers detaining Molly Watkins, a 44-year-old black man, outside his home where he says he was doing his morning exercise routine. So I say, hey, my car is three cars in front of this car. Mm -hmm. My house is right there where I live. I literally asked him, I said, officer, what was I doing? He said, you were dancing. I said, I was, and, and I always, I said, huh, dancing. It's taken me 44 years to get to this point. A lot of mess ups. It's time to heal, man. Molly was temporarily detained by officers. Alameda's city manager has released a statement saying an independent investigation of the incident will take place. Angry crowds took to the streets of Mexico's second largest city after a man was found beaten to death hours after being arrested for not wearing a face mask. Protesters in Guadalajara Thursday clashed with police outside the government palace, smashing police vehicles and breaking their way into the building. And the clashes erupted after video emerged this week of the arrest of 30-year-old Giovanni Lopez on May 4th. The video shows several officers forcing Lopez into a truck as bystanders call for his release. Lopez is reported to have been transferred to hospital shortly after his arrest, where he was pronounced dead. An autopsy revealed he died of blunt force trauma to the head and had a bullet wound in his foot. Mexico's human rights ministry is investigating the incident. The U.N. has condemned the death. Many protests on both sides of our border have been peaceful this week, including one in Georgia. Georgia National Guard troops in a different kind of formation on Friday. They began dancing the Macarena with protesters jumping in with them in downtown Atlanta. The scene unfolded about 15 minutes before the 8 o'clock curfew went into effect after days of racial justice rallies and riots in the city. Well, you're never too young to learn about racism and how to stand up to it. That's the message of a special town hall put on by CNN and Sesame Street. Elmo, his friends, and experts tackled some tough questions from parents and kids, from explaining what led to the protests and what white privilege means. No stone went unturned, and the hour ended with some powerful reminders. And listen, continue to educate and talk to your kids about racism, model ways to be anti-racist, and to the kids out there, don't be afraid to ask your family questions. Because Elmo can do better. I can do better. I can do better. I can do better.
I can do better. I can do better. We, We can, can do, do better. better. We, We must, must do better. better. We will, We will do, do better. better. In Health Matters tonight, a new study on the transmission of COVID-19 has found that those without symptoms are less likely to transmit the virus. According to the study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, asymptomatic people have a lower viral load, which gives the virus more time to clear the body. Of 30 asymptomatic cases, only two individuals appeared to transmit the infection. An infectious disease expert says this study also proves that people can contract the virus and not present with symptoms. And that while it appears that these individuals who have no symptoms will not be as efficient in transmitting this infection to others, they still can. And I think the takeaway points from this is that even though people uh, might not have symptoms, they still can transmit the infection to others, even though they're less likely to. Even though these individuals have a lower chance of transmitting the virus, experts say there's still a factor in the global pandemic due to the sheer number of asymptomatic cases. I'm going to share a little secret with you guys, but I'm actually on the platform volunteering. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yes, I am. Prince William revealed on a video conference call that he's been anonymously helping out on a crisis helpline during the pandemic. The Duke of Cambridge's work, Cambridge's work with the 24-hour text messaging helpline was made public to mark Volunteer Week in the UK. His wife, Catherine, has also been helping others by taking part in wellness check calls on people in self-isolation or who are vulnerable during the pandemic. The NFL promises to do better after acknowledging it handled player protests badly. We will have that after Yvonne's forecast. But first, a university in Dubai found a unique way to celebrate its graduate graduates after social gathering restrictions scaled back plans for traditional ceremonies. The university lit up the iconic Burj Khalifa. Graduates gathered at the foot of the tallest building in the world to see their images on it. Dubai's economy has been hit hard by the pandemic, but many of the graduates say their hopeful normal life will return soon after the lockdown restrictions are eased. This is what people in Fredericton started their weekend with. A sudden thunderstorm brought severe rain and strong winds that snapped trees and downed power lines. That's what caused a fire to break out at a downtown apartment, displacing at least six residents. Several mobile homes were also severely damaged. No one was injured, fortunately. Up to 13,000 people were left without power after the storm blew through. Oh, my goodness. I know, Yvonne, it rained a little bit here on the south coast, but nothing like that. Nothing like that. We were tracking some thunderstorms this morning. Actually, very early. I typically sleep like a bear, but I did wake up from uh, the thunder that was out there, and then it was followed by some heavy rain. So I'm sure many people had the same thing early this morning, and we are still seeing some instability for the interior, and I'll have more in just a moment. Here's a quick glance at what it is looking out there, overlooking English Bay. We may still, fee- still fee- see a few isolated showers this evening and even the risk of a thunderstorm. We're sitting at 15 degrees with a light westerly wind at 15 kilometers per hour and there are some photos to illustrate what day it was today this is what it looked like earlier in steveston so thank you so much stephanie for that great shot silvermere lake in the mission area so thank you so much erica and a great shot captured on bowen island kate's park rafale so thank you guys for uh, sending in those great photos so a few spots though we have a chance of showers we're not out of the clear just yet a slight risk of a thunderstorm it'll pick up once again for eastern areas and stretching into the fraser valley that'll be 
for tomorrow. Across the central interior, we're also seeing that instability. And the northeastern corners of the province, a special weather statement is in effect, and I'll show you more in just a moment. Here's a quick glance at what we're looking at. So this evening, it is going to clear out. It'll be partly cloudy. A nice dry start for the morning hours tomorrow. It picks up for the interior towards the afternoon with the chance of showers. And then we are going to see a bit of a break in between. It'll be on and off in towards early next week. Overnight tonight, temperatures down to 11 with a mix of sun and cloud by tomorrow morning and mainly sunny for the afternoon up to 19 degrees. Special weather statement that is in effect for the northeastern corners, Fort Nelson, Munchell Lake Park, all included within that. And the rain intensifies once again, but it'll be late day tomorrow, and we will start to see the potential for 15 up to 80 millimeters. That'll be the total over the weekend by Monday, and the concern against for concern for rising rivers. The flood concern with the flood watch in effect for Quinell and surrounding areas, and a high stream flow advisory for all areas in yellow, and that stretches into the northeastern corners, Fort Nelson, and the piece included within that. Northern half of the province along the coast tomorrow will see an ice break from the precipitation, even a clearing for areas near Terrace, but there'll still be a fair bit of cloud cover for a few spots that are closer to the water, and we're keeping a close eye for Fort Nelson with the risk of thunderstorms popping up for the afternoon tomorrow and the potential 15 up to 80 millimeters of rainfall in towards Monday. Central interior with a break in the action, mix of sun and cloud up to 17 degrees. There is a fair bit of cloud cover across the southern interior, and by the afternoon, even a chance of showers. Rain will be heavier for eastern areas, uh, stretching in towards Hope, a nice break for areas near Whistler. And along the south coast, the island included within that, it should brighten up towards the afternoon. Pleasant temperatures ranging between 16 near Tofino and then up to 20 degrees for the eastern edge of the island. Now, eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley will be seeing showers and a fair bit of cloud cover for tomorrow. Wind starts to pick up, especially towards this evening, overnight for the day tomorrow. Areas that are closer to the water will get a nice break on Monday and then the next round of rain is going to move in. Tuesday looks to be soggy, but then it rebounds once again on Wednesday. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. The backlash against NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and one of its most prominent players, quarterback Drew Brees, has been swift and furious in the aftermath of George Floyd protests. But now, Goodell is responding with a pledge to listen to the league's players and support their efforts to fight racial injustice. It has been a difficult time for our country in particular, black people in our country. Facing a firestorm of criticism, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is speaking out. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. Staring down accusations, the league has not been sympathetic to causes of social justice and promising to do better. What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? Goodell's message coming on the heels of this powerful montage. If I was George Floyd. If I was George Floyd. I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. From some of the NFL's biggest names as he tries to confront a controversial past. In 2016, the league pushed back on Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem to protest racial inequality and police brutality. And this week... I just want you to see in my eyes how sorry I am for the comments that I made yesterday. I know that it hurt many people. Saints superstar quarterback Drew Brees forced to issue an apology after saying he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. His reversal prompting a rebuke from the president who tweeted, There are other things you can protest, but not our great American flag. No kneeling. In a charged climate... 
Breeze's teammates forgave him. Now Goodell is asking NFL players and fans to do the same. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. For a movement that stretches well beyond the confines of a football field. For today, Sam Brock, NBC News. And Breeze then responded to the president saying this isn't about the flag. Something the president hasn't quite figured out yet. Yeah, I think a lot of people... uh you know, who maybe had that stance or realizing that they're kind of missing the point, And that's what a lot of the, the, the black players are certainly trying to say, that we, we're not disrespecting the flag. This is in our, you know, in the United States of America, we're allowed to do this and we're showing that. So we're respecting the flag literally by doing that. So. Exactly. Canadians who are blind or partially sighted are coming forward with their concerns as they try to navigate the pandemic right now. You're about to hear why the CNIB is asking us all to be a little patient. These breaks out into the sunshine have been few and far between for Christopher Warner, the pandemic keeping him mostly indoors. But for Christopher, who is partially sighted, there are some additional obstacles due to physical distancing. It can be a challenge. It can be a challenge to to sort of keep that distance. If I can't necessarily see people, uh, you know, my left periphery is not so good. Or if I'm walking with my head down, my upper periphery is completely gone. And one somewhat simple task, such as navigating a grocery store, has become increasingly difficult. We might not see the arrows on the floor. If there's signs up saying you must go this way, you might not be able to read that sign. For people who have guide dogs, another unique problem has surfaced. At the best of times, you should never touch a guide dog without the owner's uh, and handler's permission. Diane Bergeron is blind and has used a guide dog for more than 30 years. She's now asking people to keep their distance in order to stop the spread of COVID-19. They can pass it on their fur to another person. So if you're petting my dog and then I, you know, pet my dog, we could be passing it back and forth off the dogs first. As restrictions continue to ease across Canada, the hope one day soon life will return to normal. But until then... Oh, please, you know, give us a little bit of leeway as far as when we're, when we're sort of feeling our way around in the world because our hands are, are basically our eyes. Trace Nagai, Global News. A young boy in Louisiana likely wished a bear had kept its distance at home. Um, Have a look at this. The boy is coming out of the door at the same time the bear is walking towards him. It's just a cub. When he shuts the door, it gives the bear a scare and himself likely in the process. You can't really see it here, but the boy is wearing a shirt with the outline of a bear on it. Barry's here with sports. And Barry, it feels like history is being written in so many different ways these days. And you've got more. Well, possibly. It could be. It's uh, going to be a fierce night of uh, fighting in Vegas. Just a, a warning if you're uh, not into the UFC, there is a little bit of a little bit of violence, certainly, in, uh, in these pictures coming up. So if it's not your thing, just uh, be forewarned. All right. Thanks, Colleen. This uh, could be an historic night for Montreal's Felicia Spencer as she goes for her first ever UFC world title belt. She is trying to become the first Canadian since Georges St. Pierre, GSP, to win a UFC title. And she will have her work cut out for her. She is taking on two belt holder Amanda Nunez of Brazil for the featherweight crown. Nunez has won 10 straight and has had vicious, impressive knockout wins over Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg, two of the best. But Spencer is tough. And even though she's a big underdog, has the uh, capability to shock the world tonight in Las Vegas. Oh! Oh! Amanda Nunes! That's Chris Cyborg out cold! 100% she 
She's the best ever. The, the fact that she just knocked out Cyborg, she's number one. I'm me, you know, I'm just I'm just different. I feel, you know, every fighter feels different in the cage, of course, but I think I just have a different background, a different skill set, uh, a different pressure, different grind, and I'm super motivated to take this belt home. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I'm hard to take out. It's gonna be, and I know she's hard to take out. Um, I, I am confident in being able to finish, but if I need to just win every round, that's what I'm gonna need to do, and I'm, I'm ready to do that. All right, Bundesliga, Bayern Munich players wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts to show their support. Leverkusen strike first in the ninth minute. Lucas Alario sneaky in behind the back line. Now the offside flag was up, but after review, the goal stands, which was uh, the right call. 1-0 Leverkusen, but you knew Bayern would have an answer, and they drew level. Thomas Muller with the steal, then the perfectly weighted ball for Kingsley Kaman, who settles it, and then Cooley finds the far corner. Great play on both ends there. It's 1-1. So much talent on this Bayern Munich team. Then Bayern showing their fantastic quality. Little back heel starts the play. Leon Goretzka powers it through the Leverkusen goalkeeper. 2-1 Bayern Munich. Alfonso Davies didn't uh, get in on the scoring today, but in on the celebration. And then in the first half stoppage time, Serge Gnabry will loop one over the keeper. 3-1 as Alfonso celebrates again. And then in the second half, across in the box, and it's Robert Lewandowski who heads it in. Bayern Munich win at 4-2 as they inch closer to clinching an eighth straight Bundesliga title. Second place, Borussia Dortmund, trying to stay mathematically alive in their chase to win the Bundesliga, hosting ninth place, uh, Hertha Berlin. Just one goal in the match, 57th minute. Emre John shows he can. 1-0 final. Dortmund remains seven points behind Bayern Munich, just four matches to go. And we'll show you one more. Third place, Leipzig, taking on last place, Paderborn. 27th minute, Patrick Schick will give Leipzig the lead, and that was expected, taking on the team at the bottom of the table. But uh, in the final moments of stoppage time, Paderborn finds some good fortune in a season where there hasn't been much of it. Christian Strodik with the equalizer. He's the team captain. Great result for them. 1-1 draw, Leipzig and Paderborn. IndyCar returned to racing tonight at Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth for the Genesis 300. First big wreck, a couple of rookies involved. Rhinus VK, a Dutchman, and Alex Palo from Spain, both in their first ever IndyCar race, and it only lasted 37 laps. Scott Dixon's been in a lot of races, won a lot of uh, races as well. Uh, passes Joseph Newgarden, the New Zealander takes the lead, and he's got the lead now with about eight laps to go. They're under caution at Texas Motor Speedwell of the final results tonight, and James Hinchcliffe of Toronto is in the field, but he is three laps down. That's it for sports. Back to you. I can't imagine something more terrifying than speed racing. It must be time to find out who tonight's BC Healthcare hero is, Yvonne. Yes, and tonight we are honoring Jennifer Beaveridge Mock. Jennifer is the director of the Nurse Practitioner Professional Development and head of the Nurse Practitioner Department in Vancouver. Throughout the pandemic, she has been the leader in nurse practitioner deployment and pandemic planning and also works frontline shifts in COVID testing. She is a mom, friend, and inspirational leader. So thank you, Jennifer, and to your team. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few photos to bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they are your hero. Nice. Okay, some lucky moviegoers are being treated to a bit of a blast from the past in New Westminster this weekend while maintaining pandemic restrictions. 
Thank you so much. Are you gonna have fun at the movie? Yeah. Oh, you've heard of pop-up stores and markets. This is a pop-up drive-in theater, a free event being held at the Starlight Casino this weekend, hosted by Key West Ford and Galactic Entertainment. The capacity for each showing today and tomorrow is limited to 50 vehicles. That's according to Dr. Bonnie Henry's rules. Moviegoers were chosen through a lottery after submitting their names on social media. Many arrived with donations in hand for frontline healthcare workers. Just talking to everyone, everyone seems really happy, everyone's excited, and uh, we're really excited to be able to do this for our community. And I get to watch one of my favorite movies while spending time in the outdoors and still being safe and socially distanced. I've never seen a movie outside before, so it's a new experience. So it's cool that I get to experience this with my family. And the, the movie that we were talking to those folks about was Shrek. I'm not sure what movie's playing tomorrow, but uh, good family movie. Nice. I guess the drive-in would be a pretty new experience for anyone under 45. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and ask if you've ever been to one, Mary. I have been to one, but I want to say uh, the last time maybe when I was around 19 or 20. So wow. that was a few years ago. And I just, you know, you, you, you uh, tune in with the AM radio. Right. Go to the snack shop. It's, it was a good deal, but I guess a little different with uh, fewer cars. But it was always lots of fun, and of course, you had to hide someone in the trunk on the way in. <laughs> oh, just the now way it the is. truth yeah. comes out. Hey, but you, you can't forget about them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not a good idea. <laughs> All right, that is the news hour for this Saturday night. Jordan is off tonight. Sonia Diol is here at eleven. Thanks for joining us. Have a good evening. Hope to see you back here again tomorrow.